I hate that we have to start the show this way today, but this is what it is. So no pristine shots, no great camera angles, just me talking about Jonathan Owens and having to defend him for something he doesn't or shouldn't need defending for. He was telling the story of the way he met his wife, Simone Biles, on our show, and she was also there. And he told this story with so much love in their eyes. And every time they looked at one another, you can tell how beautiful it was to them. But everyone is now twisted and taken that and made it something negative. What people haven't done is watch the entire show. Watch him say that she wasn't scared and that once they finally went on a date, it was history from there. Or listen to him talk about their 2020 conversation while she was at the Olympics as he encouraged her that she could be okay. And when she wasn't, the time he took away with her, even getting married during that time, and now Simone Biles is back to the Simone Biles we know. He talked about the way Simone Biles has changed his life, how much she has helped him, how much their love and their journey and their story is all tied together. So what has happened is people sitting in their homes, whether married or unmarried, are now worried about this man and his relationship. Instead of being happy for two people who are excited to be together, two people who support one another wholeheartedly, we've now decided to pick apart one clip instead of learning the whole story. So the moral of the story is this. If Simone Biles is happy, why aren't you? If Jonathan Owens is happy, why do you care how they start or what jokes they make? This is a couple that has found their own way and they found their way to one another in a very unique fashion. And just because you feel like he should be worshiping the gymnast Simone Biles, doesn't mean that you can't respect that he's in love with the woman, Simone Biles. Man, that's their relationship. And if they can smile, you should stop frowning. Welcome to the Friday period. Last week, there was hoes in this house. This week, <laughs> I'm on that big Nick energy, you feel me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like Freddie it. Freddie T got on the Christmas colors, too. That's yeah. right. And look at you. Just HBCU. I don't know, man. Y'all be always hitting me with this damn with the seasonal colors. I don't think grown men worry about seasonal colors. We're grown ups. It don't take much thinking, though, Chan. It's Christmas. I, no, everybody don't celebrate Christmas, Fred. That is true. That is true. Happy That's holidays. True. But you celebrate Christmas. I do. I just like to argue. You just got some kayaks and some <laughs> other shit. <laughs> just like to argue. Well, <laughs> hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Knowing uh, me, I got the key. Uh, on the vision, I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cap in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Welcome to the pivot. This is Friday, so you know what Fridays are, man. It's about the boys just chopping it up. I'm RC. This is Chan. That's Freddie T. It's an interesting week. Here I am, minding my own X or Twitter business, whatever you call it, and my former teammate, Richard Mendenhall, goes on a rant about white people speaking on black players and white people who have never played sports, and he wants to be talked about by black players who've played sports, when there are actually a lot of white people that have played sports. Maybe if it was a statement about people who have never played commenting on people who do, then that's a thing. I do want to say, just because he is one of my former teammates and 
we share a lot of friends and people who are in both of our lives. Richard is dealing with some stuff, you know? And so like many of us who have played this game or just random people who are walking around who've never been hit in the head, you sometimes go through some things. And when you're going through some of those traumas, traumas and dealing with some of those things, and now you have these, these public outlets, sometimes what you're going through privately leaks out into the public. And I think this is part of it. Uh, so initially, I didn't even want to get into it. And then Will Compton makes his team, because Will's a comedian, and Will yes. is fun, and Will Love will capitalize Will. on yeah. any viral opportunity or moment that he could get. And so he did. Now, I personally was extremely hesitant. Here's why. I'm already tweeted or messaged or DM'd by many people that just say, oh, you're racist because I stand up for black people, mm -hmm. right? So if I come, I felt like if I came out and I said something, now I was gonna be taken differently. So when Will tweets that to me and tags me, I was like, nah, man, let's just keep it the same way. Like, I'm glad I got to play with you. That's part of the game, woo woo. I'm glad I got to play on the same team with you. Sorry, Fred. You know, and that, you know, because of that, let's keep the game the way it is. It's fine, I'm done. And what Rashard said was divisive, and we shouldn't mm -hmm. enter it like that. But now everybody's having fun with it. Yeah. So I don't have to be this serious and worry about my image or my reputation or what people are going to say. Do you think if we split them up, the all-black team versus the all-white team, who are you putting your money on? Because I ain't lying, I'm afraid. Will, Will put his team together. First off, Will's coaching staff is crazy, by the way. And he put he, his team he together. He can't have Mike McDaniels. No, he's black. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So Mike McDaniels, that's a void. Will, that's a void. And what what he call it? The half, the halfways or whatever he call it? Yeah, he said halfways get the pick. That, that, get you the know, pick. that touched, that touched me. That was funny. I'm, it was funny, but I'm a white and a black man. So what side would you go on? The Listen, side society put him on. I, I always say it like this. If I rob a bank <laughs> tomorrow, are they going to say when the police come... Suspect. This big suspect with dreads and tattoos was white and robbed the bank. They're not going to say that. They're going to say this big-ass black dude came here with dreads and tattoos and stole all that damn money. I got to be on the black side. Breaker, breaker, that's... one nine. Breaker, one nine. Yeah. Suspect. Light-skinned black male with dreads. Has anybody ever watched this show and said, yeah, RC and, RC and Freddie on there with that big white boy? <laughs> <laughs> Alicia sometimes forgets that you're black. <laughs> They're not going to say it. And I always joke, I say, respect me like a white man because we all know it's different. But we're having fun with this. So we're have fun with it. I love Mike Allstott. Let's go current. I love Christian McCaffrey. They might have the best back in the game, Chan. I love, there's a the offensive line. Like, there are, and you say, it, it is funny because I always say, my thing about it is that, think about the best coaches ever. We'll go back to Vince Lombardi. Was he good at football? No. Nope. Nick Saban. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. They were garbage as football players. You can be good at coaching. You can know football and know the game without playing. So that's taking the race out of it. So I always hate, we actually talked about this before. I hate the narrative that you can't speak about sports if you've never played the sport at a high level. Man, these motherfuckers can know the game and not play. If you break down the athleticism of white people versus black people, come on, man. The African-American team. I mean, it's going to be the most athletic and be the better team. When you look at Will's list, 
his team from coaches to players from A to Z, he has an amazing fucking list. And not to say this team is going to be more dominant or stronger or defeat this team or the other side, it's right? It's going to defeat them. he has a great list. For me, it's a margin. The error for margin is so thin. Like, if you look at the NFL, 1,600 players, right? What is it, like 80-something percent of it is black or whatever? That doesn't mean the black guys are going to go and just dominate or win. But we have some amazing players, black and white. I think Mendenhall, even though that was the craziest fucking tweet you can tweet, it's crazy conversation. Like, to, to magnify it and make you think, like, whoa, like, we got Aaron Donald. We got TJ and, well, we Bosa, can't say TJ Watt, but TJ Watt. It's a Bosa. lot. You got the Bosas. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got Christian McCaffrey. You got Thielen. You got Cooper Cup. You know, so yeah. you have a lot yeah, of guys. Friend, and you talk about the quarterback position. So Thielen and, Cooper, Thielen and Cooper Cup compared to Jet, Tyreek. I mean, come on. Uh, Devontae Adams. You, 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 you. I'm going to say this. We're going to have the conversation. Let's have it now. And so I don't like, I truly did not want to have the conversation. Like, I didn't because I don't feel like it goes well for me if I have it. We're just critiquing Will's list. Okay. Let's start there. That's what I went on. I didn't compare the other side or the side that he didn't highlight because we got some dogs. I say we because obviously. <laughs> we got some dogs. We do have some dogs, but I think it's a crazy cookout conversation to have. You know what I'm saying? Like for homeboys, not no, well, it's just blatant racism. Maybe from Mendenhall's fingers to the world. That yeah. part was, but now that it's, part, it's but moved. But now it's like, like for, for people who know, yeah, it's moved guys who shared the locker room, you know, you, Will, me, and, you know, whomever else that I'm super tight with now, I think it's good for cookout and locker room, you know, just to kind of fuck around and have fun with it. But when you really weigh it out, like, both sides equally got some. They got all pros. We got all pros. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a good thing to have fun. You ask me who will win, I can't even give you a good answer because some days... Well you might say, have the guys that go out there and party and want to fuck around like Channing on South Beach. Okay. We ain't ready. We're going to have a game full of mental errors, you know, guys fatigued, all that Fred, stuff. Fred, white people party too, Fred. I didn't white say they did White boys don't party. I had a ball with white boys in the didn't. club. I didn't say they did not I'm going to say this, Fred. Freddie T, I'm a, you are doing the thing you always do, which is you're just a nice human, and you want to be liked. Period, point blank. Period, point. You do. That's why, like, when people, when people, run, up, when people run up to us, they universally like you more than they like me and Channing. Now, Channing is liked more than I am as well because Channing's funnier, right? But nobody ever has a bad thing to say about you. Us two, we've had some shaky interactions. But they're not bad and bad, though. They're bad and questionable. So I'm going to say this. So I'm going to say this right now. Without a doubt, the most talented team is the black team. Now, the reason that it's even a conversation is because only 11 people play at once, right? Because when we're talking about depth, they don't have it. Now, obviously, quarterbacks, you got it. He, we went Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, right? So on the other side, you're going to have Patrick Mahomes, right? You can have Lamar Jackson, mm -hmm. right? And so the, that, they got two, we got two. And if we want to go past that, we can go all the way to the bottom to the rookies. We could get C.J. Stroud. You could have Dak Prescott. So there's a, there's a large amount of depth. I'm taking two of them. Right. There's, we, can't, we can't take I two. I claim the Polynesian. I claim the Polynesian. So there's a large amount of depth there, right? 
Large amount of depth at quarterback. So do you go running back? They got the best in the world right now. They got Christian McCaffrey. After that, he had Lance Burkhead. We good. We are good. Yeah. Now, take it to receivers. Three years ago, Cooper Cup, one of the best in the world. This Cooper Cup would now be their best wide receiver. Ain't no shot. Because guess what? There's going to be like Braxton Berrios, and he's going to have to be in the slot on like Stephon Gilmore. Right. Because he's going to be like down the list of our good players. Oh, by the way, they don't even have enough corners to fill an entire room. Right. Harrison Smith can play. Now, Harry, they're going to have a great safety. Everybody else, barbecue chicken. They need Jason, right? they need and, Jason Seahorn. And things have changed. Like, we play offensive line now. Like, we've become the Laramie Tunsils of the world. We might just have to switch a guard to, like, center, and we don't really have to do that. We could just go grab the ones we got. Here is where they get us. Mother effort special teams. We ain't got no kicker. We're going to have to get Justin Reed from the Kansas City Chiefs or the running back from the Houston Texans to be our kicker. Guess what else we ain't got? A mother-freaking long snapper. We ain't got no long snapper. Damn. So we're going to have to convert somebody to long snap. Or, matter of fact, what the hell are we going to do? We're just going to go for two all the time, and we ain't punting no way. I like the sound of right? that. Right? And we do have Presley Harvin, so we got a punter. Mm -hmm. The big boy for Pittsburgh. That joke what I'm saying is this. When we look at it superficially, the other side has a good starting team. After that, they tail in trouble. So I ain't no 60 now, minutes. Now I'm going to tell you what they got now. They got a gang of tight ends. They basically all went to Iowa, but you got TJ Hawkinson, you got George Kittle, you got Travis Kelsey, you got uh, Mark Andrews, you got Laporta from Detroit. They're going to come out and play 14 personnel. They just go keep all their tight ends on the field. But that doesn't that doesn't suffice to say uh, David um, Njoku. Njoku, the boy likely oh. from Baltimore. Waller. Are we speaking, are we speaking of Darren Waller? So, I mean, it's Fred, um, we're fine. No, so, Fred, Fred, you beat around the bush. I'm putting all had, my... Hey. You, you always provide an additional piece of perspective. I'm Wesley Like, Snipes. I couldn't see it. Hey, I'm Wesley Snipes. See what Wesley Snipes said in Passage of 57... Always bet on black. <laughs> right? So, hey, so, now, the, the coaching staff thing is crazy. So, we got Mike T. Mm -hmm. Right? Our defensive staff is phenomenal. Yeah. Mike T, D'Amico Ryans, yeah. Steve Wilkes, Brian Flores. Yeah. Like, we got play, coach after coach after coach after coach. Offensively, though, who we got? Offensive coordinators. Mike McDaniel. We got, so, we got Eric Bieniemy, yeah. Right? Enemy? We got We got to take Mike McDaniel. He's awesome. We got, no. What we got is we got all the wide receiver coaches, running back coaches, Gerard yeah. Johnson, the yeah. quarterback coach down in Houston. So, though I think they field a good team at the top, I do think Christian McCaffrey is a different rusher when he ain't got Trent Williams. And guess who team he on? Mm-hmm. Come on over here, Trent. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's hey, go. That would be the thing, the combination of what creates those players. And that's why the conversation, like I said, I'm glad we're doing it funny. Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad it's just fun because yeah. you can say about the, the, the white successful players and what the black guys do for them. Also on the other side. Yeah. The, 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 the Bengals receivers, who I love, who I think could start. Joe Burrow ain't helping him. T, hey, Jamar. Stefan ain't start going off when he got Josh. You see? <laughs> Stefan went over there and went yeah. going crazy. So on both sides, yeah. what those players, white, black, or otherwise, what they create yeah. for the other people, 
and what Tyreek did for Tua, what Tyreek did for Patrick. Now, you see Patrick struggling a little bit with all them drops and all that. Yeah. So on both sides, you got to be honest about it, but come it on, man. Fun. And we got but, Trent Brown, too. Listen, when we do DraftKings and all, the black team is minus 28 if they play. The yes. black team are 30-point favorites, <laughs> favorites? Hey, this if they play the white This team. college football, it turns, <laughs> it turns into college football if they play, yeah, <laughs> if hey, they play that the, game. The, the ability to create explosives is on our side. Come for, on, for, for sure. And that was McDaniels just talking about the, uh, what is it, one-play series? Yeah. This is a one-play drive. Mm-hmm. And he's aggressive. Yeah, so, think about yeah, that. I though. like our play call. Here's the thing. But Jalen Waddle probably doesn't make our team. That's ugly. You're right. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't make our team, bro. That, that's ugly. You were talking about DraftKings, Chan. Just the other day, when Ja came back, they had a, a, a two-team parlay. It was Ja. What's the big boy's name down in New Orleans? Zion. Zion. It was like plus 200. That's two to one. Plus 200 for Ja and Zion to score at least, what was it, 13 points? 12 points each in the second half of that matchup. It was a DraftKings play. Did I take the bet? Did I take the bet? No, I wouldn't take it. Did I take the bet? You did you? Yes? No. Because I I had a liability. The Pelicans were up 20 points. Ja Morant was back. Now, I I, I liked it. I loved it for Ja, but eh, Zion kind of scared me off of it. He had five at the half. He finished with 13. Ja had seven at the half, finished with 34 and the game winner, down 20. That motherfucker, he is back. What do you think about him being back, though? I'm happy to see him out there. I'm thankful that he was able to put that stuff behind him. It seems that he's a bit more mature and he understands business and and moving forward. Just being back really just to help his team, it helps the NBA, his fan base, everybody cheering him back. And then to have a return like that, you couldn't ask for a better return. Have you ever been to Disneyland with a heavyset person? They're going to slow down late in the day. Zion Williamson is not finishing games. I've been saying this. He does not keep himself in good enough shape to finish those games and be the player he's supposed to be. It upsets me to see the talent that Zion is giving up right now. It really gets to me knowing that people that work hard and stay in shape and really grind that could maximize the God-given ability of Zion Williamson. The job thing, I knew he was going to go crazy. We've had him on the show. He goes. He loves the game. He's very talented. And to your point, he got in all that BS, the gun brandishing and all that stuff. 25 games, I think, was sufficient suspension, and he's going to go off. And I say it now, Ja is going to be, if he played those 25, there's going to be conversations. RC, you're going to talk about it on TV. Should he be in the MVP race? Because John Morant's about to go wild the second half of this season. I think the, the thing I love the most about what has seemed to happen to John Morant is he seemed to mature. Yep. He seems like he understands. He's taking accountability. Not only taking accountability for his actions, but taking accountability, taking accountability for how his actions have affected the people he cares about. Not only his family, not only the NBA, but his team. He said he's the reason his team is now in the hole that they are in because of his actions. And I think that level of maturity, that level of leadership is only going to make him better. The other thing that is refreshing is people aren't holding it against him. It was a victimless act. 
because I'm not going to call it a crime because it wasn't a crime. It was a victimless act. It was what John Morant did was immature. What John Morant did was make a bad decision. And he deserved to be punished for it as it pertains to the shield of the NBA. And he's now taking that punishment because I told you, you couldn't do a certain thing. And you still did. Right? And so now they had to make an example out of him. But he needed that example. I think John Morant needed that example in other parts of his life. And what I loved about him is as he's walking off, John Morant said, oh, I kept receipts too. Right? Because when you go away, there's people that talk about you as a man. Right? There's people that talk about the person you are. And what happens when they talk about the person you are? They talk about the people closest to you. So this man who has a father that supports him through everything, and we talk about this, may not have done everything right, may not be doing everything right. Now they're talking about him, how his behavior has affected who John Moran is. You got to hear that. and You love your people. You know, and I love the interaction he posted with him and his mom, right? And his mom just said, this is who you are. I love and support you, and it's time. And then you go out, and Desmond Bain, you asking, should we get... Should we get Jay to rock in the post? He got a smaller guy. And his answer, F no, you getting the ball. Right. Because they even know how important he is. But I love that he got people around him that saying, nah, like, you're not back to be something different. You're back because of who you are, and we want you to be that. Take this mother effing ball. Mm -hmm. And I think for him to deliver, bro, is poetic justice, like it truly is. To be playing your childhood friend or your high school friend, to be down and, and have to come back and to get that moment and deliver, it shows me that dude's going to be the face of the NBA, not so much as maybe the one they put out, but the one Allen Iverson became. We met T and we know how laid back and chill T is. Didn't have the opportunity to meet his mom, but just for context, the text you just spoke about she said, it's return, play your game, let the game come to you tonight. Don't force nothing. You'll come out with the W. She didn't leave it on him. It, it wasn't a sign of being selfish. It was play your game, you're going to win. And um, he said, I love you. She said, you ready? He said, I'm your son. You know the answer. She said, period. And after the game, she was like, yes, sir, never doubted you. Tell him I'm coming is what he finished with. You got to love that relationship, man. Yeah, man. You can imagine your mom backing you like that. Right. And understanding what's at stake. Because some moms just go to the game. Because mm -hmm. this is my son. I go and support. But she knows the game. Like, she knows the vibe. You know what I'm saying? To be able to get her to kind of push you a little bit further, it's attack mode all night. Everybody has that. Just knowing y'all the way I do. Knowing your grandmother who just passed. We was mm -hmm. at the wake. Meeting your uncles and everybody. Right. How they pushed you. RC. Yeah. Your parents. Yeah. Big Mike. Still there. That people that still had you. Like, those people being there means something. So I would just say for people right now to have young athletes coming up, and Joff, I only made a mistake at a higher level. But I made a mistake. I got locked up in college, and my mom was right there. She was right there. She, I was talking to her at Latchwood County Jail. A collect call from Latchwood County Jail, and she was accepting those. We all made missteps. I know you. We all made Hell missteps. Yeah. That support system is not overlooked, even if it doesn't seem as if at that moment it means something, those young athletes need that. And to T. Morant, we know him, we know we met the Morant people, bro, that's big time to have that because now, to your point, John's about to be the face of the franchise, the face, no, face of the league. And you could look at Allen Iverson as crazy, 
You can look at him as wild, whatever you want to say. But, bro, he was basketball. And I think John Moran's headed in that direction. You know, it looks like Ja's headed that direction and people didn't bail on it, right? Like, he did lose some endorsements, but he got a new shoe that's about to drop, the black and the white and black joint. You know what I mean? Like, Nike's still with him. And that says a lot about what people think about your fabric. You know, because when you make these decisions or these things happen so publicly, that's when people have the, the opportunity to say, I rock with you or I don't. You know what I mean? Like, we always talk about it. Like, once you're in the public eye and your friend or somebody attached to you or attached to something you do does something, that now reflects on you. And you have the opportunity to say, yeah, bro, I stand with you. Or you get to back away in the shadows and be like, nah, that's sunshine on you. That ain't for me. And so I think watching the way his team, obviously his family, like, we never doubted that Josh's family would be there, but also somebody like Nike, Nike's even saying, no, we still believe that the trajectory you're on is not going to be so affected by this that we're bailing on you, right? And when they still stand in front of you, like, all the rest of that junk comes back. And I think it goes to, again, not dismissing or making someone not have to take responsibility for their actions but it's like there's just different type of bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And in his bad decision, it affected him. In his bad decision, the suspension affected more than him. And I think that's what made him go, okay, something has to change, something has to be different, and I expect him to be different uh, going forward. Hey, RC, speaking of support and family, the, da the Dallas Mavericks and their owner, Mark Cuban, I think he did an amazing gesture for a DF, Dorian Finney-Smith. DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith, yep. talking to the parole board in Virginia mm -hmm. to get his dad out. What do you think about that? You got to really go into the entire story. So Albert Smith, who is Dorian's father, was convicted of second-degree murder for 44 years. And what happened was him and his homeboy were going to collect a debt. However it happened, so they both had a gun, right? They get into a tussle, and the guy goes to grab his homeboy's gun. So Elbert pulls a knife to get him to drop the gun. Well, in the tussle, his homeboy shoots the guy three times. So he shoots him, and then when they're up for their trial, they offer them both the deal. Like, you can take a deal which will give you manslaughter for five years. Mm -hmm. He had court-appointed attorney, and that guy told him, fight it, don't take the deal. Because he doesn't take the deal, he gets 44 years. The man that actually pulled the trigger only got five, mm. right? And so that brings us back to why there's a need for prison reform. Right. Yeah. Why Meek Mill is crying when he is signing a bill to give him or to give people who have been to jail like him or give people who have violated parole like him different opportunities to be released from jail because the prison system and the way that it was set up, it was set up to railroad. It was set up to make money off of brown and black people. And in Virginia, there is a no parole rule, right? There's a law that's passed that doesn't allow you to get parole or that par makes parole extremely difficult. What happened to Elbert Smith was because he went to jail so long ago before 1995, he was eligible. Jerry Kilgore, who became his lawyer, 
worked on the campaign for the guy that won office based off of eliminating parole. He's now working for a private firm, and that's who they went to. And this all started because the Dallas Mavericks chief of staff started working with Dorian Finney-Smith. And so when you look at the entire thing, I think, one, what the Dallas Mavericks did in committing to help his father get out of jail is more than commendable. You know, when you look at the Michael Rubens of the world, when you look at the Mark Cubans of the world, starting to understand and relate to these players and be around them enough to understand the disparity in which the way that brown and black people are treated as compared to white people, I think you need those voices, you need that sort of support because that gets you in different rooms. That's how he was able to get into that room. But I think this just again signifies the need for reform. It signifies the need for the understanding, for the funds to be put in because of the court appointed attorney who was obviously in over his head and who also had no skin in the game. Right. To say that and to now this man's been in jail. And so like I think the other thing I want to point to is Billy Donovan, right? So Billy Donovan was Dorian's coach. Billy Donovan knew he didn't have a relationship with his father. He urged him to have that relationship because Dorian talked about the anger he had toward his father, how he, that part of that abandonment hurt him. And so he developed a relationship. And when that man goes undrafted, you know who encouraged him to continue playing ball? His dad from jail. Right, that's how important that relationship between father and son is. Even though he wasn't there, even though Doran can't even remember actually touching his father, for him to say, hey man, you need to continue playing. But to do that and then to now have your dad released, man, and for the Brooklyn Nets to charter a jet, for him to be there, to be able to see his father get out of jail, I think this is one of those stories that does have an extremely tragic start. Right, it does talk about the circumstances in which people come from and the positions that that puts you in to make certain decisions and then the lack of support you get in defending yourself. But now for that to come full circle and have the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban be so much a part of that release, I think it's one of those stories that make you go, you know what, man, there is some good in the world. How many more Elbert Smiths are in prison? So many. And that's why I say, and I give a shout out, you brought up Mark Cuban. Michael Rubin does so much. Meek Mills, and we, we, this, we stories are out there with that. I bring up Kim Kardashian. She's getting people out of prison, too. Right. If you're an influencer, and we messed around about a couple weeks ago, Benny, be influential. Those people are using their platforms to help people that don't look like them. And, I, you know, and it might be a player or somebody, Billy Donovan, and I'm going to speak on that in a second. But if you want to be an influencer... Do something influential, and that's why I give a big shout-out to Ruben and them people that are really trying to change the world. You got a bunch of money. People know you. You're, you're running great, great businesses, but influence the world. And you tell the story about Billy Donovan, who was, you know, gator and all, loved Billy, Billy D to death. After when I got, one of the times I got arrested at Florida, I had 5 a.m. treadmill. I had to go 1,000, 1,000 floors on the treadmill, 5 a.m. every day, Ron Zook. And Billy Donovan walked in one day, walked over to me. He's like, I know the story. I respect your work even before this. I respect how hard you work. And I tell my ball players about it. And that's Billy Donovan, 08, you know, national championship, Joe Kim Noah, 
or Corey Brewer and them boys. He was like, I respect your work. So I always respect Billy for coming up to me in a time of time of trouble for me and just giving me some, some encouraging words. But Nat Moore, the old receiver for the Dolphins, who now I think is uh, vice president of football operations, he has a, he has a big title with the, with the Dolphins. And me and my father weren't talking when I got drafted. And it goes right back to the, to the um, divorced families. My mom was bad, my, my dad so bad. And I always, I even said it in my comedy show, I'm like, listen, if you are not with your baby's parent, mother, or father, don't badmouth the other person because that's not doing nothing but confusing the child. So that came between me and my dad. Nat Moore came up to me my, after my rookie year, and there was a family barbecue. And he played with, he knew Big Randy from back when they played together. And he came up to me as, as a man and was like, I don't know what happened to you and your dad in the past, but you and your dad need to talk. Y'all both got drafted to the same team. They tell the story. And the end of the story should not be you and your dad not having a relationship. Mm -hmm. That should not be the end of that story. So when you said it, it just made me like almost tear up because without Nat Moore, I don't know where me and my dad, y'all know me and Randy tight now, mm -hmm. but if that didn't happen halfway through 05 at that, that family barbecue, I don't know where me and Randy's relationship be right now. So just a shout out. I made you think about it, you know, just a That's thing, awesome, man. man. If, if you, and it was on both sides because my dad had to be open to it and I had to be open to it. So from that side, if anybody out there is not speaking to your child or you're not speaking to your parent, be a grown-up, be a man, let that shit go and have that relationship because I swear to God, me and, me and my dad right now, that's my ace. Thieves, yeah. That's my dude. That's awesome, you know what I'm man. saying? But I don't know if that wouldn't happen without Nat Moore. So <laughs> say all that to say, Nat Moore, I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate that years ago. You make me... Uh... Uh, think about uh, CJ, CJ Stroud and his father, and he's fighting for reform in his father's uh, case and situation. Uh, but I think Mark Cuban, you know, uh, um, you talk about Mike Rubin, Meek, uh, Kim. You know, it, it's, it's good to have a few billionaire friends in your in your corner that believe in you, believe in doing what's right, because they have a bigger voice sometimes. And you know, it's just want to tip my hat off to those people for even considering that fight. For these, for these guys, man, that's that's pretty dope. And I gotta say it, cause RC, RC saying it got me emotional. RC, did you ever miss? What you mean? Oh, we were just inside the NFL. I'm sitting in the room, got all the big dicks there. You won the Steve Sable Award. Oh. Your first damn time in yeah. the building, bro. Emmys, Steve Sable Award, bro. What what Snoop says? This motherfucker don't miss. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> do you ever miss? I do, a lot. <laughs> you know what was cool about it is, y'all know, like, I love ball. And I come from the, the place in ball where it's given me everything I've ever had. Like, truly, I've never had a job that didn't have to do with football. Even when I got cut from the league, LSU gave me a job because I played football there. And to win the award, I mean, he's he's the 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 fabric in which the NFL is viewed. Mm -hmm. He's the storyteller, he's the architect, and to know what he meant to the NFL and that the way that we now see it is viewed through the prism that he saw it, the camera that he held on the sideline, the editing that he did, the stories he decided were important to tell. And you know, when Pat gave me the award, he just said it was about the dedication and about the work and about the effort. And y'all know, man, like, that's all that matters to me. Success 
is such a subjective thing that I can't control. And I used to try to control it, but when you get cut or when they tell you enough that you ain't got it, you start to realize if I start letting those people be my success, then that barometer of life will ebb and flow with the way people feel about me. So I think it's just really cool, man. I was really honored. Um, like, you know, it's our first year in the building. And shoot, you've been there. It ain't start great. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was some, there was probably some people that were like, oh, Lord, we got to hear this mother effort talk again. Uh, but it's starting to work out, man. And so, like, that was a, a, a big, big honor for me. That was pretty dope. Listen, I got a question for you guys. They tend to say fish don't outgrow their environment. Yes. I could put a fish put them in, in a small, small aquarium. Boat. Right. But I have trivia. There's one fish that outgrew their bowl in the 90s. Is this like the, the is it the, the fish that, what was the, what's the basketball movie? The fish that, I don't know. I don't get to tell you. that one boss, the fish called Wanda. <laughs> There's a fish that outgrew its bowl in the 90s. Just think. This is more like sports related. It, oh, no, it wasn't a real fish. All right, the Dallas Cowboys, which makes them an easy target, which also brings forth the conversation Michael Parsons mm -hmm. and what he said. I, I fought Jerry Jones and how that team kind of just outgrew itself in the 90s, won a ton of championships, and now anything they do, they're the mockery of everything. No matter what they do, there's, they're an easy target. Micah, his comments. Former players, analysts, they want us to fail. Every week they're looking for us to fail. It's an absolute farce. What do you, I was going to ask That's what an absolute think about farce. that. The, the Dallas Cowboys are the most talked about team because they're the most popular team. When yeah, the Dallas Cowboys are great, everyone speaks highly of them, maybe outside of Stephen A. And for him, it's just a stick, yeah, right? It's, it's his thing. Jerry Jones loves Stephen A. Stephen A. loves Jerry Jones. He loves the Dallas Cowboys. If without the Dallas Cowboys, first take would not be a watchable show during the football season. Nobody wants them to lose. It's just that when they do lose, you got to talk about it too. That fish is out of the bowl. Yeah, like you, and I think the saying is when you're wrong about someone or when someone does something good, right, let the applause be as loud as the booze. On the opposite side of that, you can't love the applause, because if you love the applause, then you'll fall with the booze, right? If you allow the, the claps, right, if you allow the positive to boost you up, then inversely, you're going to allow the negative to bring you down. And what happens with the Dallas Cowboys is it's so great. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Everybody loves me. Everybody loves me. You know, let's go to the press conference after the game, and when we talk about ourselves, let's, let's have this air of arrogance like we've made it and we've done it. Because when you're a Dallas Cowboy, even when you haven't necessarily actually made it or actually done it, we treat you like you do. And so you start to feel really good about that. And then when something bad happens and people are just telling you the truth, mm -hmm. you feel like it's an attack. But why? Because if somebody just keeps telling you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great, and then you show us that you're not, and we tell you, you, you told <laughs> right. I'm not the best? <laughs> you mean the fact that we sell the most jerseys doesn't mean we're going to win every game? How dare you? And so I think that it's that feeling of being so visible all the time and when, because you can't run from it. 
You can't run from the good. They say they don't listen. You're lying. And then when you feel the other side of it, it's just difficult to take. It's different. They're called America's team. And they are. They're America's team. They are. The only country with flat-out established billionaire football teams, and it's the team of football. And it's there. So when you have that on your back, and think about it. Who's the owner of the San Diego Chargers? I actually don't know. And you, are, you, don't, you, you don't even know if they're in Los Angeles now. See, look at that. Didn't even know they moved states. I mean, this is safe. Didn't even know they moved cities. And I don't know the own. I don't know the GM of the Chargers. I don't know. He got fired. So let's go. See, like you'll know some of that because Ryan followed shit. But a normal fan don't know that. That's true. You know everybody on the Dallas Cowboys, even if he's not a Cowboys fan. And Jerry Jones, he don't help. He don't help his players. The ones that are Micah, that's talking about. They want us to fail. Jerry Jones is gonna tell you we're the best. He's going to act like we're the best. He's going to talk trash. He's going to do his radio show. He falls into it. To Arcee's point, they play into it. If you want to plan to be a big boy and you get whooped, everybody's going to talk about it. What's the, 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 the final scene in Friday was what? Craig whooped Debo's ass. Dallas is Debo. And if somebody whoops him, we're going to celebrate it. Or to Arcee's point, you're going to speak on it rationally. And that's what happened. Dallas plays into it. They're the they're the the, the most the highest value team in the league. Highest value sports team in in the country. In the country. Yeah, yeah. So now, if you get your ass whooped, somebody's gonna speak about it because of the fact that you put the target on your back. So that big ass fish in that little bowl in the '90s put a target on his back that now people are staring at. Right. And why would you stare at? Right. So what the players have to learn, right, is not to let the opinions of others become their reality, no matter what side they're on. When they're telling you you're great, mm. thank you, keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. When they say you suck, that's your opinion, I gotta keep it pushing. And I think that when you look at the back-to-back -back weeks, they blew out Philly. They were like, all right, they finally played somebody and they did a damn good job, they blew them out. But Philly's reeling. Like they lost three in a row. And then Dallas goes and lose in blowout fashion. Are they as great as everybody was saying they were after that victory against Philly? So now reality is starting to kind of come back to those guys. What's the big question? Is this a good team or are they going to be the Dallas of old? This is the prove it week. You got the Miami Dolphins. These are two teams who you can say have struggled against good football teams. The Dallas Cowboys have played very well after losing. They're on the road in Miami. They haven't played well in road games. Miami hasn't beaten a quote-unquote good team. This is the prove-it bowl. The team that loses this game will be talked about on Monday as if they've never won a game. Yep. That is be without a doubt. And I think that that's the beauty of what we did, though. Love it. Like, every week mattered so much. We don't have 82 of them. You don't have 162 of them. You got 17, and we had 16. And I think the, the hardest part I had to learn in the NFL was to learn to wear a loss the right way, right? Because it had to affect you, because without it affecting you, you didn't approach it appropriately to learn from it. But it also couldn't kill you because everybody loses. Yep. What happens in Dallas is this is higher than everybody's this. And this is lower than everybody's this. Being, and y'all can tell me if y'all disagree or do agree, being a Dallas Cowboy is like being in love, right? It's like you can have all these relationships 
in life, right? Like you can mess with, you can have this boyfriend, this girlfriend, you can have this friend, this and that. But when you're in love, you watch a movie and that movie's so much better because of the person you sharing it with and the way that y'all talk about it, right? But let that mother effort be mad at you, right? Or, or say something to you that you know might not even be true, but you think that they actually feel it, that jump cuts. That's what the Dallas Cowboys are like. It is such an emotional roller coaster with them because everything matters about them more than it matters about every other team. And we actually didn't make it so. They did. They did. You From did. From the 90s. You did. Oh, I just downloaded DraftKings Sportsbook app. My phone hot. <laughs> and you know what it is. It's the holiday season. I'm trying to get that extra money. Anybody that signs up right now, any new customer, you place a $5 bet, you get $150 in bonus bets, but only if you use the promo code PIVOT. My phone hot too, baby, because you know what I got? I got the same game parlay. <laughs> Give me something, baby. Same game parlays. More money for multiple bets in the same game. But you can't get in the game unless you download the app. Just download the app and go get to it. That's all I got to say. Download the app. Promo code PIVOT. $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets. We're talking about relationships. Chance Comanche, he was with the G League, Stockton Kings. They kidnapped and killed... Morena Roberts, he and his wife, I mean his girlfriend, her name's uh, Sakari Hardening. This woman had been missing since December 7th. Like the last time they said, anybody said they saw her, she was supposed to be going hanging with friends. So the girlfriend actually called Chance to talk about the dispute, to say they had beef. And to say this, after they tried to hire a hitman, that fails, so they set her up. They're both escorts, right? Sakari and Morena, God rest her soul. They're both escorts. They set her up to what Chance said was going to be kinky sex, and they were going to tie her up. And he choked her with an HDMI card, and then the girlfriend with her hands. What sort of twisted, evil human do you have to be to premeditate that over a disagreement? And as a man, how weak do you have to be to allow that phone call make you do that to another human who hasn't done you anything, who is not presenting you any harm? And then to just go on with your life? Like, we have gotten to a point which is so scary to where it seems that human life doesn't matter anymore. It seems that we now believe in this generation, you get to come back from death and you don't. Like those people, like her family, the people that were looking for, whoever it is that may love her will never see her again. And like, they have to read this too. No. Like they have to know the hopes are that the way God works is that like in these moments, he takes your soul before your body. Because I can't imagine any human being treated that way, having to live their last moments that way, and process what's happening to them from people that they know. You know, I don't know what is even the, the question off of this, but when you hear something like that, like, what are your feelings about 
the entire situation, but also that young lady and what she had to go through. The, just the, the story physically of getting choked out and all, like that's getting strangulated. And, and the other thing is too, Channing, I don't think people understand, it's not the movies, right? He like in the, movie, the movies. Huh? The guy on the police report, mm. and they went back and they uncovered a lot of texts and a lot of different things from both of their phones and their communications, the ex-girlfriend and, and, and Chance, they said, they said, we'll do just like in the movies. I'll sit behind her with a thick rope. I just need a thick rope. Because the ex-girl asks, did you get a gun? He's like, no, I don't need a gun. I'll just sit behind her like in the movies with a thick rope and strangle that. Like, the point is, though, it doesn't happen quick like that. No. Right? Like, in the, in the movies and things like that, like, this is a very quick, dramatic, theatric thing. You know, like, we're talking about actual humans. We're talking about people who breathe, people who love, people who hurt, people who cry, you know? And I think that, like, it's, it's sad to me and that, like, this is just a, a young, like, a young brown woman who, for whatever her faults were, didn't deserve that, you know? Yeah. It's just, man, it's misguided people. Like, and you put, what, toxic, toxicity around yourself? Like, one of those two people, being the man, when she came and said, yeah, this girl disrespected me, something about a watch, you, you're reading the story, I was upset with her in some form or fashion. As a man, you should say, that's not that serious. Whatever that watch was, whatever this disagreement is, it's not that serious. But to your point, RC, and I don't even know if it's the, this time, because you go way back to, what's some crazy motherfuckers that were eating people, Dahmers and all that. Like, I think there are flawed, messed up people out there. Yeah. And I think this time, I think the, the point that a lot of people don't think about, and I speak to a lot of when I talk to kids about, they don't look deeper, like you just laid it out. They don't look that this young lady has a mother, has brothers, has aunts, has uncles, has grandparents, has cousins, has people that really care about her. What, what is this going to do? How many people is this affecting bigger picture? I think that might be new age with this quick microwave society and the technology stuff. I think that might be where people don't really think about mm -hmm. that this human came from a lineage of people that love her. But I just think, man, there's some messed up people out there. And for his dumb ass to get with her dumb ass and think this is a good idea. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah, man. Bro. Come on. That's why I think. Stupid too stupid. Too stupid. Sure. Okay, yes. I, I ain't we're trying to hurt and help nobody. Help Sending nobody's feelings with these two yeah. rap raggedy bastards. Yeah. But just two toxic people getting together that's gonna play and joke. And Freddie showed me the shit. They were sending emojis to the technology side, like coughing emojis and things. Like, what, where is your mind at as a human being where you think somebody's life is that easy to send an emoji about taking it? Something like allegedly the young lady uh, was a, a sex worker. Escort, and yeah. The escort, and his job was to lure her Mm -hmm. to them, and then he was going to do the hit based off of the direction of his ex-girl. And then the text messages from, that the police uncovered, she was like, did you do it yet? Did you cross a path yet? They had gun emojis with the ghost in the coffin. So they go through this elaborate plan as they thought it would be, only to bury her under some rocks on the side of the road in which the police uncovered quickly. But they plotted it for a few days because he had to go from Cali to Vegas, 
play a game in Vegas, and then it happened. So that was on like the fifth or sixth. The young lady went missing on the seventh, and they finally, uh, they found her, he confessed to it. And just fucking idiots, man. It's all bad, bro. I almost hope there was drugs involved or something, because I don't want to think that, a, that, they two, mentioned that. that two human in beings text, could do this in their mind. They mentioned getting her drunk out of her mind and then going through with the, with the plot. Yeah, but the thing I'm is... I'm talking about the, with them. Like, how, yeah, but like, the, how the, can... I think you planning it that long? Like, you you ain't on drugs that much. Exactly. Like, you playing basketball games, you know? And I just think that shows, like... Inhumanity. In, it is. It, 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 no, it truly is. It truly is inhumane. I have a... I sent y'all the uh, the pictures of Jaden's graduation and, like, the start of the speech, and I sent you, I sent you guys uh, more of it. Um, so... Jaden's speech, you know, she, she graduated, she got her master's. She was the commencement speaker for the graduating class. So they have like a undergrad, graduating class, and then the commencement speaker. And her speech was about pivoting, you know. And she spoke about graduating, not having a job, not really having any direction, and that she said her parents told her to pivot. Actually, Yanka told her that she needed to pivot. And this was before you know, we got together. And I just, and I was listening to her and I cried the entire time. And I was listening to her, man, and I learned, right? And what I learned was, it was like, I didn't want her to go. I wanted to help her. I wanted Jaden to, to be with us. Cause I felt like then I could help her sort of control what was happening. But everybody's pivot is their own. And I had to learn that. And I thought because I loved her so much that helping her and being a part of it and making some of those decisions was loving her. But really, it was controlling her. And control is the exact opposite of love. And I was listening to her talk and say what she learned and say how much she's grown being there. And that was hard for me because you want to be a part of everything. But sitting and listening to her, I was proud of her. Like, I remember not arguing with her when she made the decision and letting her go. But I also remember the feelings I've had of like, why couldn't you talk to me? Why didn't we discuss it? Why didn't you let me help you? And it got me back to like Jordan picking the school. I always wanted him to be able to say every decision that he made was his decision. So whether it worked out, whether it didn't, I did it because it was right for me. And she did what was right for her. And what it taught me was sometimes in order to love something the right way, you got to let it, him or her, learn to love themselves the right way first. Mm -hmm. Because until they become everything that they're supposed to be, you're not truly getting all of them to love anyway. And so, man, I think that, like, the dope part about having kids very young is, like, I got to grow up with my kids. That was also, like, the hard part, right? Because, like, I was still learning, like, to be me. Like, I had Jaden at 19, Fred had babies. I had Jordan at 21. Logan at 24. So as this, like, as I'm learning to become, like, this fully formed human, I'm trying to raise people to become fully formed humans. And I learned so much from them, man. And, like, that was the 
watching her give that speech, because I had so many feelings of so many things, of certain people being there that I didn't think deserved to be, people who I felt deserved to be not being there. And like for that 10 minutes or 12 minutes, nobody else was in that church but me and her. Mm. And I know she didn't write it to talk to me, but she did. And like at the end of it, it made me feel like the parts I could control got her there to be able to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And in making that decision and stepping away or leaving into a place I couldn't control, what I did to get her there made her want to bring me back. Mm. And so, you know, I think pivot for us has taken, like every time we hear it, obviously it matters now. And we don't know, like, it's probably a word people have used my entire life, but now every time I hear it, I equate it to what we are and what we've done. And that was the first time I heard somebody use it and it affected me more than anything we've ever done here. It's definitely been flow around forever. I know on the, um, the energy drink, the, the, the saying is it's never too late to pivot. Like if you're having a down day, what have you. But I, I saw something the other day online where Oprah was speaking. Mm -hmm. She was speaking about parenting. And she said, parents have to learn to be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Not in a bad way, but to remove yourself from your, in your kids, like make, make yourself smaller so your kids can be bigger mm -hmm. and push and encourage and, and, and allow their confidence to build and grow, yet nurture them, but let them do it how they want to do it, you know? And so it's not a bad thing, but a lot of people- spoken like somebody that's never had a kid though. It, well, it's, I, because, I, because I it's a, I, I see two parts. Well, of because it. it's a, I, no, know. I'm not saying that she's wrong. I think it's a, it's a very hard thing when you realize how much you can love a little effort that can't do nothing for you. Correct. What I got from it was allow your kid to become the Kobe, the Mike, the LeBron, and you just you could be a role player. You know, re 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 encourage him. They all need a spanking. Yeah, I mean that's not. Come they on, all need we know spanking. that. Kobe part. got you, his you ass need His daddy was military. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm. I'm telling think, you from where I saw it. Do you think so it's? Do you think it's phases though? But do you think it's? I think it's phases of that, right? Like I. I, I, I don't believe she's wrong, but Chaz can't go be Kobe right now. Lil no, Chan right can't. And that's what I'm saying though. Like I think it phases, but the the thing is, it's like anything else, you don't know when they're strong enough to hold that rope themselves, right? And so it's like their whole life as they were learning to be Kobe or they were learning to be LeBron or learning to be Michael Jordan or, or whatever it was, as they were getting there, you had to hold that rope with them. Right, and so it's like when we're holding that rope together, you have to gauge, okay, how much am I still pulling, right? Because at first, they don't they don't have it at all. They don't. You know what I'm saying? You know how like how, how you doing stuff with the kids, and you like, oh, let's pick up the let's pick up the truck, Chaz, and Chaz straining, uh, and Chaz, and you just picking up the whole truck, and then as they get older, they picking up a piece with you, and as they get older than that, they're picking up more of it, and eventually they can pick the truck up themselves, but you have to build up to get there. And I think sometimes it gets to the point where we've so, we're so used to holding that up ourselves 
that you do need your kid to say, nah, Pop, I got it. Correct. I got you. And I would add on to it, because y'all, y'all kids are older than mine. I'm learning it. We know how to walk in and read a room. We know how to walk in and read situations, playing ball and all. You got to know your kids. Everybody's different. You got to deal with first kid, different than second kid, different than third kid. And I think a lot of people, and I'm getting away from it now, where this is the way I'm parenting. No, I know Chan needs a different, you know, I can't, I can get on Ava different, I can get on Chan. Right. I can get on Chaz, he's, the babies, you know, they just like, like, babies, you got to just keep them in line. But when they start getting 12 and 10 now, there's a different approach that's going to get the best out of each of them. And I think that's one thing with parenting is that you got to, you know how to read people, you know how to read adults. You got to read your children too and know, I don't know if it's some damn astrology signs or whatever, but every person you work with in the world, you approach them different, you understand them. You can't, you can't teach your kids, this is one way I'm gonna deal with my kids. You have to read your kids as well and know your children. So that's what I was saying, I'm learning right now. I'm getting better and better every day at knowing my kids and knowing how, what's gonna best maximize them to not, to not push them in the direction but just correct them every now and again as they start walking off that line. Just tap them and keep them on that line that you know what success is going to come from. Yeah, man. Well, this may be our last show together. We'll have a show next Tuesday uh, that we release, but this is definitely the last show of the holidays. Hmm. Maybe the last time we all sit uh, together before we will be coming up on two years. As a, as a show, you know, uh, it happens fast. We have all, for the most part, changed in some way. Some, some good, some not, as, some, some not as good. I think the holidays are always a, a time, man, that you get to reflect. And more than anything, y'all boys, you know, y'all enjoy that, man. And didn't we spend we, that time? Didn't we shoot our first episode like on the 21st of 2021? In Jersey, wasn't it? The team? I don't yes. know, man. I'd be drunk. Yeah. Wow. It was. It was. I remember getting out of the car that day, being like, "What the is about to happen?" <laughs> like I had, I had no clue. And I still, bro, I still say it to this day. We were sorry. We had. <laughs> it wasn't that we bad, had man. Chan, Chan, <laughs> you were great. You were always you. Chan Fred, always you was it. always you. As a, as a collective. As a collective, if we didn't have Alicia Zubakowski, the people would have gave up on the pivot. <laughs> they would have took their word out the damn dictionary. <laughs> no, they done fucked up happy, the whole word. Hey, <laughs> happy holidays, y'all, man, from our family, this one, to our bigger families, to our families at home, to yours. Thank y'all so much for the support. Our prayer is this, though that in this time, we know everybody can't have everything. We know that there are people who are struggling with something. We just pray you have an ounce of sunshine, uh, a glimmer of happiness, and somebody to hug you and hold you and tell you that it's going to be okay. Because it will. Y'all be good. Yes, sir. Hey, this motherfucker don't miss. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cow, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on the mission, got me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cow, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up.